Hello and welcome to this episode of OC Talks podcast series brought to you by Oncology Central. I'm Jade Parker, Senior Editor of Oncology Central, a free online platform that unites all aspects of oncology to support a multidisciplinary approach to progression of the field. In this episode today, we'll be talking to Wout Brasiliers from Deep Six AI about how artificial intelligence is changing clinical trial feasibility and recruitment. Thank you for joining us today, Walt. Thank you for having me. So to start off, could you briefly introduce yourself for us, Walt? Sure. Hi, my name is Walt. I'm the um, CEO and founder of Deep6 AI. And Deep6, as the name suggests, uses artificial intelligence on clinical data to help accelerate clinical trial recruitment, site selection, design, and outcome tracking. Thank you. And so why is clinical trial recruitment something we should be focusing on? Well, at a high level, right, clinical trials play a major role in most, if not all, healthcare innovation. Um, As you know, every new drug, device, procedure, or other treatment must be tested on real patients in clinical trials to show both that it's safe and that it works. So clinical trials are something like the gatekeeper that allow um, effective healthcare innovations to go to market and and become available to patients. But unfortunately, the last couple of years, that gatekeeper has become somewhat of a bottleneck. And that is because we simply cannot find a sufficient number of eligible patients and recruit them onto trials. As a result, nearly 90% of clinical trials run significantly over time and over budget. um, And and up to about 40% of trials will actually fail because it cannot meet their accrual goals. So this has a tremendous impact on, on development of new drugs and cures across the industry. And it, takes, it actually adds time for new potentially life-saving cures to make it to market. So the, the original gatekeeper has become a little bottleneck. And that's why I think it's super important for us to recognize this if we want to boost innovation in healthcare again. Could you explain how patients are currently selected for clinical trials? Sure, there's, there's a whole range of different processes and techniques, but most of them have in common that they're all very labor-intensive and require a lot of cumbersome um, browsing of of patient records. Um, The most traditional way of of trying to recruit patients is probably asking physicians for referrals. As you can imagine, I mean, current current clinical trial protocols have easily between 25 and 40 different inclusion and exclusion criteria. And for any physician to know all of their patients well enough to remember whether they're a match for each of those, say, 40 criteria, is just impossible. Um, so it's, it's a kind of a haphazard method, and it's kind of hit or miss. And then you still need to validate them. Another method typically is to use the rudimentary um, IT software capabilities to search the EMR, the uh, electronic medical records for patients. The problem that you have there is that most of the salient information is put in by physicians into physician notes or into genomic reports or into pathology reports, etc. Most of those documents are in unstructured or at best semi-structured form, i.e. they're kind of free text without any labels. That makes it really hard to search for by traditional software. So again, you have to do the same thing. You search for a couple of, of the criteria and then you find probably way too many or way too few patients and you have to manually go through and find them. And then there's also like third-party services like CROs and social media campaigns that you can use. But again, all of those are bringing in certain patients and you still have to go through the record to do the actual matching. So there you mentioned some of the challenges in clinical trials. 
Could you let us know what are the key challenges in clinical trial recruitment in oncology? Well, in oncology, more so probably than in any other therapeutic area, time is the decisive factor, right? Um, patients who have been diagnosed with a cancer don't have that much time. They, I mean, disease progression can be quite aggressive, so you want to put them on a clinical trial as soon as possible. The, the other fact there is that if you get diagnosed with a cancer, probably you'll start some kind of a treatment, whether it's radiotherapy or whether it's, it's um, chemotherapy or other therapy, very soon after diagnosis. That means you have only a very small window of time to identify a clinical trial for the patient and put, them, put that patient on the trial before you start a competing um, line of therapy. Once you start another line of therapy, most patients become ineligible for a clinical trial. And then, in your opinion, what role does artificial intelligence play in solving these challenges? Well, AI has the ability to deal with all of that unstructured data, right? And AI can learn from what it sees in the data and help fill in the blanks when certain data points are missing. So, based on those capacities or capabilities, it can radically accelerate the ability to find patients for trials and it can actually use its ability to search data across the entire value chain of clinical trials, starting with trial design, feasibility, site selection, patient recruitment, and also on-study management, because AI can also find in data actually real-time outcomes and feed them back to the research teams in, in real-time or quasi-real-time, so you can see the impact of the device or drug that is part of a clinical study as close as possible to real time, and then make decisions on it to basically adapt the trial to the needs and to the outcomes of what they're seeing. So it can also help with adaptive trial design. Thank you, Walt. So artificial intelligence has also been linked to improved trial feasibility. Could you explain how, please? Yeah, sure. So, so today, as I mentioned before, roughly anywhere between 25 to 40 percent of trials fail, mostly due to a lack of patient accrual. And in, in too many cases, wishful thinking kind of drives trial design and, and trial acceptance by sites. If you could actually use artificial intelligence on your real-time, real-world data population, you could figure out which patients actually exist, and you could test whether you have patients for the trial the way you designed it today before you even actually push it out to site, before you decide to go further. Um, at some of our clients, for instance, they use our software in a mandatory setting for any PI to test and run their protocol, make sure they have the patients before the IRB will even look at their study and consider discussing it and greenlighting it. And then looking at the wider picture of artificial intelligence, what are some of the common misconceptions you hear about how artificial intelligence is being used in healthcare? Um, there, there's quite a few. It, it's a good question because AI is being, I mean, there's misconception about AI across society in so many capacities and probably even more so in healthcare than anywhere else because it does hold a tremendous prom uh, promise. But it's easy to overstate or to, again, add a lot of visual thinking to that promise. Um, one thing about AI is there is no near-term doctor AI, right? There's no near-term capability for AI to take over taking care of patients, etc. I think we're very far away from that. And, and one reason for that is that the data quality is still an issue. Even if you would have a perfect AI or a set of algorithms that could do lots of, of detection and prediction and recommendations, etc., the, the data that would be used to feed those, those recommendations um, is still pretty, pretty blurry and sometimes even downright contradictory. 
because data that's in a, in a patient record can take many shapes and many forms. There is the formal structured data that's like problem list and symptoms and treatment and education illustrations. And then there's a lot of the unstructured data that goes into genomic, that goes into physician notes, etc. And sometimes that data is old, it's copy forwarded, and there may be hypotheticals in there, which may or may not be that easy to, to um, identify, even by AI. There are various types of negations that may actually take certain uh, or, or contain certain grammatical errors, which also makes them harder to, to contain. All of those are solvable problems. But on top of that, some of the data is just downright contradictory. We've seen sometimes that a genomic report will list a certain um, genetic mutation for a patient, and then a recent physician report will actually transcribe that incorrectly or say, say ALK positive instead of ALK negative. So as long as we don't really solve the data uh, reliability, AI is kind of limited. Thank you. So you mentioned about patient data. I think a big question in this remit is how do you protect patient data when developing such advanced software? It's, it's a great question. Um, I can only talk for ourselves to some extent. I mean, there's many companies know these days that, that data protection and PHR protection is crucially important and it's basically the foundational layer of, of playing in this field. Um, there, there are different ways that specifically in an AI setting you, you have to safeguard that. One, of course, is just access to data and potential breaches and the ability, again, to, to use PHI or to, to actually leak PHI, which, which is something that's similar for any type of software. Um, specific for AI as well, you have to make sure that the learnings from your data are somewhat de-identified as well. If you learn from a limited set of, of data points, which in AI is, is hard, you mostly try to get as much data as you can. Uh, but if you're dealing with rare diseases, you have to make sure that you, you don't um, have any indications of the data that you use to derive certain conclusions or, or train your algorithm. On top of that, when you're dealing with massive amounts of data, which is the other side of this, which is also more typical for AI, you have to make sure that you can do your training in a safe environment without contamination and without potential breaches. For us, we, we had to design both our technology, our platform, and our business model to minimize the risks and, and focus on security. One key component for us is that we don't want to own any data. Um, we want our, our clients to own their own data. We will ingest the data, create a new environment for them, but make sure that they actually can put their security and, and their instructions in place as well, and we follow their typical protocols and, and their BAAs on top of the platform that we create to make sure that we, we live up to the higher standard. But it's, it's an ongoing thing. I feel like we are, by virtue of coming out of the US intelligence community, we're very um, trained and we're very aware of the many data security issues. I think healthcare as a whole is aware of that as well. But risk still exists, and you have to keep on investing in, in technology and in processes and training your people to make sure that this is one of the key focal areas of anybody involved who touches data. Thank you, Wout. Do you have any closing comments that you'd like to add? Um, well, well, first of all, let me thank you because I'm grateful for your efforts to highlight the importance of clinical trials within healthcare. And as that, that driver and uh, gatekeeper of, of innovation in healthcare, um, I believe that the downstream effects from poor clinical trial recruitment are enormous, both in terms of getting actually life-saving treatments to patients faster, but also as a major factor in the ever-rising drug prices. If we can actually become more efficient in clinical trials, we can actually get new drugs to market faster and cheaper, which will hopefully also stem the, the inflation in drug prices.
Um, at the same time, I also want to stress that cloud acceleration is a great use case for AI. It really is a, a specific scenario where there's lots of, of cumbersome manual labor being used today to find the recruitations onto trials. By using AI, you're not going to eliminate all of that labor, but you'll make it so much more effective from, from trial design, as I mentioned, to site selection, recruitment, outcome tracking, etc. And I do believe this can have a major impact on healthcare, not just on pharma sponsors to get their drugs to market faster, or for patients to get access to the drugs, but also for health systems who can use AI to run their research efforts much more efficiently and effectively, and turning what is typically the loss leader into more of a revenue and a profit center for the sites. So I believe that's a triple win there for the sponsors, the patients, and the providers. And again, it can help accelerate the clinical trial process. And at the macro level, the, the rate of innovation in healthcare as a whole. And as a result, we all stand to benefit. Thank you for joining us today, Walt. Okay, good. You're welcome. If you'd like to find out more about artificial intelligence and machine learning in oncology, make sure to head over to Oncology Central. You can also find more podcasts by going to the Multimedia tab to listen to other experts in the field discussing key topics facing oncology. Thank you for listening.